Yoga is a powerful tool in supporting better sleep. But like anything else, it needs to be the right version to help you calm down your nervous system. In today's episode, we answer three key questions. What are the right forms of yoga for better sleep? What is yin yoga? How can you use yoga to calm your nervous system? How does yoga nidra really support better sleep? You will love this episode between two yoginis across the globe. Claudia Salmula is a yoga and performing arts teacher. Although dancing has always played a major role in her life, she was searching for something calming and relaxing for her body and her mind. She found this in her yoga and meditation practice. Let's get started. Hey everyone, I'm Deepa, Light Functional Medicine Practitioner, Author and Yogini and you're listening to the Sleep Whisperer Podcast, the only sleep podcast with conversations and meditations. I'm on a mission to share profoundly insightful sleep conversations with global visionaries that merge together functional medicine and ancient wisdom. Breathe in bliss through weekly guided meditations and let yourself enter the land of dreams. Together, let's unravel the pieces, get to the roots and understand the right tools to transform your sleep completely. Through this podcast, I want you to dream the best version of yourself. It's time to regain hope and begin your sleep journey. Claudia, welcome to the Sleep Whisperer podcast. Okay, so first of all, let me say thank you for inviting me to to speak on your podcast. Um, It's very exciting for me, so thank you to that. Um, I actually started to practice yoga as a teen, as a teenager, because um, I was suffering of nervousness in school. I had anxiety to fail my exams. And every time when there was an important exam, especially at the end of high school, I was really blocked. I was getting nervous. I started to sweat. I didn't feel good um, in my body. And um, yeah, like I said, I was very nervous. And I didn't know what to do about it. And my mom had a doctor who was a practitioner in traditional Chinese medicine. He has traveled to Asia a lot, also to India. And he told my mother, well, I have a yoga teacher here, a Kundalini yoga teacher. She's teaching here three times a week. So maybe it would help your daughter to start with a regular yoga practice. And then my mom came home and she told me about it and I didn't know what yoga was (laughs) because that was in the mid-90s. And in the mid-90s in Germany, where I grew up, where I'm still living, we didn't have a lot of yoga. We had some people who traveled to India who did a very traditional style, but I didn't know at all what it was. 
So that's how I started with Kundalini. Um, and the teacher was absolutely great. And she practiced a lot of calming exercises with me that I did before my exams. And that was how I started. And I did it for three weeks, uh, for three years, not for three, <laughs> three weeks, three years. And then there was a time in my life that was quite hard. My father died of cancer. There was a lot in the family that happened and I couldn't sleep. I started to get insomnia very badly. Um, I lay in my bed till two or three o'clock at night. Um, when I fell asleep and I woke up in the morning, I was very tired. I didn't feel that I relaxed deeply at all. And then I remembered that yoga once helped me. And then I took a trial class at a local uh, yoga studio and it was a yin yoga class. Mm. And I was there, I didn't know what to expect and I did it and I, I haven't felt that relaxed for a really, really long time. So that's when I began to practice again and that became like my, my daily routine to practice yoga and to really, you know, like incorporate into my daily life now. I know that we've spoken a bit off screen about uh, the different forms of yoga and how somebody who's struggling, as you said, when you went to yin yoga, you just uh, felt immensely calm, which you hadn't felt for a long time. So there's obviously a right fit of yoga. The form matters, especially for somebody struggling with sleep issues, who's probably having anxiety, high stress levels. So let's have a little conversation on the different forms of yoga and how some might not be the right form for somebody who's struggling with sleep issues because this is something that I'm concerned when I watch the trend of yoga out there today where um, yoga has also become the same way our culture has very aggressive, very goal-oriented, very ambitious and I recall 20 years ago my first teacher telling me that a beginner to yoga will actually uh, be focused on achieving a pose or a, they will have goals but when you advance in your yoga practice you're comfortable doing the same practice every day perhaps you don't need that change and you feel whole in just that feeling of balance. It's not about achieving a posture. So let's talk about some of these forms and which form might not be the right fit for somebody who's struggling with different challenges of sleep, whether it's falling asleep, staying asleep, uh, high stress, anxiety. So break that down for us. Well, I think we can divide yoga into the styles that activate your body with the focus on an intensive asana practice like Ashtanga, Vinyasa, or maybe also some forms of Hatha yoga. And then there are the yoga styles that lead you more into stillness, like yin yoga. And we probably agree that, for example, the sun salutation awakens the body and it activates strength and flexibility. Um, 
And anyone who has done an intense Ashtanga or Vinyasa practice knows that you start to sweat, you breathe faster. <laughs> and depending on the series, a lot of arm balances are involved, which give you an energy kick. Um, now, that's a great practice for the mornings when you want to have that energy, a kick to start into your daily life. Um, but the question is if you want that energy kick when you're going to bed, wanting to sleep. Um, so it doesn't quite serve the purpose. And don't get me wrong, we need both. We need activation. Um, we need to train our body because our body is our tool in our daily life. But um, we also need the calmness. And the question is not whether one style is good or bad. I think the question is, when do we need one or when do we need the other? Um, and at the end of the yoga practice, our goal is always going into meditation, finding our way to meditation. And like you said, if our practice is just about re reaching a certain posture where we look good, where we can, you know, post it on Instagram, oh, I can do this fancy arm balance or whatever, it's nice to play with that, you know, and to say, oh, I like to try. But that is not our goal. Our goal is to reach the point where we can go into meditation easily because our body can rest and we can do that transformation, I think. And I'm going to stop you for a second before we go on because you said about the, of course, that we need more active practices in the morning and that's usually linked to that we need to raise cortisol, not requiring stimulants to get the day started, which is great. But um, so I also find a, a big difference in the way somebody practices Surya Namaskar, whereas I've seen... Um, some people where there is the mindfulness and the awareness is missing. So it's, big, it's a fast practice where the focus is on how many rounds somebody does. And that could be uh, practices like where uh, people do 108 sun salutations, which is a great practice. It's a detoxification practice. But then if somebody is doing that every single day for 10 to 15 days and that can be harmful in itself whereas the Surya Namaskar itself uh, I, I teach a class where we do one round of a Surya Namaskar over one hour so it's like a Zen moving meditation where the movement is extremely slow where um, so that becomes like a yin practice it's the same dynamic sequence but it's broken down into a practice that is meant to slow down people so you're so right when you say that it matters which form you practice at which time of the day i would also add that it's important which form you practice at which time of your life so if you're going through a period of uh, feeling a very stressed or let's just say i have a day when I'm struggling with energy and too much on my mind. So on those days, I'm not going to put my mat and do an intense practice. I would rather do a yin form, which is very, very calming, 
and helps me to calm down the restlessness in my mind. So it's so great that you made that differentiation that the form and the time that links. So I would also say the time of somebody's life. Now, yeah, I would totally agree because um, <clears throat> here in Germany, um, we also have the health insurances mm. who pay for your classes. Mm. So when you prepare a class, you have to prepare it for different types of people. And of course, when you are 40 or 50 and you have never done yoga before because it's not in your culture and you start because you want to do something good for your body you cannot start when you're 50 with an intense ashtanga practice it's not supposed to be for that age group it's supposed to be for young men or nowadays women who need that workout who have different bodies but not when you become older and i think yoga is about um, feeling our body to get a body awareness so that that is what we want and um, like we said before it's not about the fancy pose it's not about the fancy picture it's about doing something that works our body and here you have a lot of people who sit the whole day in the office like eight hours ten hours and they get problems with their backs because they sit with a round back the whole day and they first have to learn to you know stand in Tadasana, bring the shoulders back, you know, like simple things. But for them, this is a huge goal, you know, to get that body awareness back. So I totally agree with you. It's also about which age group, which pre-consisting conditions and injuries, your lifestyle, your work, you have to take all of this into consideration. Yeah. Yeah, you're so right. And I think you also, it makes so much sense what you said that it matters that people when we say ahimsa, and I always say in yoga as well, you need to bring in ahimsa to self where you don't do practices that are harming you, injuring you. And uh, it's a very real concern that there are a lot of people actually getting serious injuries while in a form of yoga that is not uh, tailor-made for them where they can end up with back injuries, neck injuries. Uh, let's talk about there's a lot of studies done on older people practicing yoga and how that there's actually proof that they have improvement in different areas of sleep. So sleep onset, the ability to fall asleep, sleep maintenance where they can stay asleep through the night lowering of stress levels reduction of anxiety a lot of improved health benefits as well and I, I think that has to do with the fact that they are shifting from a sympathetic dominant state where it's a fight or flight to a more parasympathetic which is rest digest calm heal so uh, let's talk about what are the reasons you feel that yoga has this profound impact on stress reduction and sleep improvement? Well, um, first of all, um, I, I would think that all of these effects that you describe have the same effect on adults and also on children. I work a lot with children and, you know, I can see that it has this effect on them. But when it comes to older adults, I think the effect 
might have to do with our modern world lifestyle that can cause a lot of pressure and stress like you mentioned before you know it's um yeah you you, you have that stress you have that pressure um and if you imagine you have the stressful work environment you have to deal with that the whole day um then it's very hard to come home in the evenings and then just like that relax from one minute to the other so you need a tool that helps you to move from one energy to the other and i think yoga is that tool um, it helps you to calm your mind to become aware of your thoughts of the sensations in your body it helps you to release muscle tension and that helps you to be relaxed on a deeper level um, so I think this is what yoga can give you. And even if you are even older and you are not working anymore, um, I think coming from this working world to find the transformation to where you become older, where your body cannot do the same things it used to do, this can also help you to deal with that, to um, embrace this new chapter in your life um and yeah that's why but what i think are yeah like the, the benefits or the the techniques but let's talk about the fact that what is this connection between yoga's impact on stress in the nervous system and how does it actually unwind that now i always I, of course i love spinal twists i don't know if you do and everybody i teach loves spinal twists so if there's even one class where i forget to bring in a twist i will be asked before shavasana hey we missed our twist now the way i describe a spinal twist in yoga is that it's actually uh twisting kind of easing out the stale blood flow in the spine and the nerves so that it's bringing this fresh blood supply to the spinal cord and the nerves and that is how there's a deep physiological link between stress reduction and practice of yoga but i'm curious to see what is your thoughts about how does yoga actually impact the nervous system positively yeah, I, I have to say I love twists too, <laughs> especially, you know, lying on the back and twisting. Yes. And yes, um, I think that's something that just feels good because and you described it so wonderfully, you know, what it does with the body. Um, yeah, so um, when it comes to asana practice, I think you have the asanas, but also pranayama influences our nervous system because we concentrate on a calm and steady rhythm of breathing. And we know that breathing deeply into our stomach has the effect of calming us, not only physically, but also mentally, right? Um, and we have the same effect when doing shavasana at the end of our practice because we relax all the muscles in our body at the same time. And the calming effect on our body is more significant when we have engaged the muscles before. So we can consciously feel the tension in our body and then release that tension. So we press the 
reset button, so to speak. Mm -hmm. um, we feel the moment of pausing and relaxing on a deeper level, and we become aware of the small changes in our body. Um, so that helps us to recover from the stress and get the energy back that we need for the challenges of our daily life. And the nervous system that is our external and internal system of communication in our body, it transports our emotions and the sensations that we are ha having through our body, right? So, yeah, so you can sit in um, Paschimottanasana, for example, and you just fold forward and you stay there for quite some time, not going too fast, too deep, because then it's difficult to hold a pose for a longer time. But any kind of forward fold is relaxing. I really like Viparita um, Karani, where you put the legs up the wall and you just, you know, let your legs relax because you know the wall is holding them. You're not engaging your core, you're just lying there. So um, these kind of asanas, you can do, you can take your time, three minutes, four minutes in one of these positions and that is already helping you to calm down. It's so beautiful you spoke about the forward bend because I usually put it across as think about when you're in a forward fold, how moving forward is about letting go. So it's about letting go of everything, not just your body or you need to relax everything in order to just fall towards your leg. It shouldn't be yanking and dragging yourself into a pose. It should be about surrender. And I think that also goes on beautifully to connect to a philosophy that uh, moving forward is about letting go and it's also in terms of relationships where if you're somebody who finds that you're holding on to a grudge or you're feeling pain over an interaction, you can move forward when you choose to let go. So I always bring in some philosophical thought process into a series. So it's important to do that, but that's great. Yes, forward bends is something which is really great for re reducing stress. And uh, you rarely find people staying there for three, four minutes. So that's a great tip for yoga practitioners because it's not about how far you go. It's just about how much you are aware and how much you can release and how still can you be. And you also made that very important connection that is important not to go too far forward because then you're not comfortable and that's where Patanjali's uh, Stiram Sukham Asanam which is an asana is an asana only when you're comfortable and steady so if you've gone too far and your body is resisting that's not really the way ideal way to be staying there it should be like a meditation pose which you don't want to come out of so let's talk about what is yin yoga because i would love to have a short tutorial on what is yin yoga and um, how do you actually teach yin yoga so what's the what's the kind of yin yoga practice 
Okay, so um, yin yoga is based on the Chinese philosophy of yin and yang um, and has close ties to traditional Chinese medicine. And the yin and yang philosophy holds that the two elements of yin and yang create, control, and transform each other. So the quality of the yin movement can be described as condensing, sinking, submerging, while the quality of yang is more rising, ascending, or floating. And while the functions of the yin practice are to store and nourish, the functions of the yang practice can be described as transforming in a way. And while yang yoga styles, um, we move from one asana to the, to the other quite quickly, we hold the poses in yin for quite a long time, usually between three and five minutes, but I do know practitioners who stay in one position for 20 minutes or more. And that can be quite challenging, not only on a physical level, but also mentally. Because imagine, like you said before, if you are a person rushing from one thing to another, five moments of total stillness can feel like torture, right? Yeah. So we know how difficult it is for people to calm their monkey minds <laughs> during <laughs> meditation. And yin is a form of meditation for me. You can meditate sitting cross-legged, but you can find meditation in every form, in every position that you do. So we have to slow down in yin practice, and we are relaxing all of the muscles that we don't necessarily need to stay in a specific pose. Um, and we are also working with meditative techniques to not hold into our thoughts and let them pass by. And when we have a yin practice that lasts for one and a half hours, that is usually how long my classes are, students feel very relaxed. Um, and I have quite a lot of students who take such a class in the evening, starting around 8 p.m., and then they go to bed directly after class. Wow. I've yeah. actually never heard of a, I'm in bed by 8 o'clock. <laughs> <laughs> But uh, yeah, it's very important. In fact, I would typically love classes to be an hour and a half, but here they're about an hour. And that's usually because people are still, uh, one is, of course, the ability to give time. Not everybody can. So I say even if you have that hour, it's important to not look at how many things that you pack into that hour, but rather on, it could be just five asanas, which as you say, stay there for six, eight minutes. And that's really important. And I think when you say, I'm fascinated by traditional Chinese medicine anyway, all aspects of it. And it's also yin and yang is what refers to as hatha yoga. So it's the whole solar, lunar, the masculine, the feminine. And I think as and I'm stressing this again and again as a culture globally, we've become more predominantly yang. So it's really important all the more today in the global situation of immense stress that I feel these are forms of yoga that more people should bring into their life irrespective of what else they are doing because this is one of the most profound ways that they can have instant impact on 
lowering the stress response to improving their sleep and improving the whole quality of their life their interactions their relationship their ability to deal with the stressful work environment so there's so many things going on in that whole space of yoga so do you feel also as a culture we've become more yang and more um, masculine dominant yes totally totally um i think we have i think it's about finding the balance always and if we are out of balance that's when we start to to suffer if we have too much yang and we're always working we're always running you know we get exhausted if we have too much yin if we have too much calmness like being in a shutdown and you can't go out and you stay on your couch for three weeks that's not good for us either and we don't feel good either so i think balance is always important that's what we are aiming for but like you said we are living in a society where it's always you have to go further you have to reach more you have to you know this is always thriving thriving and i meet a lot of people who who don't know anymore how to take a break who are you know the moment when they take a break they they get nervous and they feel like oh but but i have to do something yeah. uh if i'm not doing something you know i can't just sit here and um this is where our society is leading us and i don't think it's a good development because at a certain point you get ill you suffer if there's only young that's not working Oh absolutely I think it's predominantly becoming like that and I find also people having feelings of guilt if they're not doing anything so they feel that they're wasting their time if they're sitting silently for a few minutes not realizing that 10 minutes of silence is a great practice that's going to improve their efficiency in every area of their life so they're not sitting jobless or doing nothing they're doing profound things for their whole system but uh, you also love yoga nidra like i do and i remember that um, a while ago my husband uh, he does fantastic yoga nidra so he actually put me into a yoga nidra where i felt i'd slipped into an enid blyton book because he spoke about the fairy land and the magical spaces i came out feeling my inner child so the power of yoga nidra is so profound with that the intention behind the yoga nidra can go so far in transforming people and you've heard about how intention made in yoga nidra by somebody who wants to give up smoking or drinking those can be like powerful seeds that are sown into the subconscious at that time which then starts to help them move towards the direction that they want to and there's also this uh i always say to somebody if they've had a night of poor sleep that they're much better off doing a practice of yoga nidra in the morning than taking an extra hour of sleep which can make them feel more dull because it is said that an hour of yoga nidra is almost like 4 to 5 hours of sleep so tell me about yoga nidra and how do you feel it links to improving sleep 
Yeah, you already described it. It works with different relaxation techniques and also with this visualizations where we don't know what's coming up when we hear the words and then, you know, we have this picture in our mind. Um, but I would like to, to recommend the book that you, of course, know, The Yoga Nidra by um, Swami Satyananda Saraswati, because that's my favorite book when it comes to, you know, reading about the Nidra practice. Um, so... Um, yeah, we, we uh, know we are going through different sleep cycles every night, right? Or almost a lot of sleep cycles. So um, your brain progresses through different stages of sleep. We awake, we have a light sleep, we have a deep sleep, REM, and then everything repeats. And of course, we wake up several times during the night, but um, we usually go back to sleep. And in terms of brainwave activity, the first stages of sleep are associated with both alpha and theta waves. But before we fall asleep, our brain produces alpha waves, which have a relatively low frequency and let us be in a state between being awake and being asleep. And our brain is still awake, and there we have these visualizations that you describe, but our body is in a very deep, relaxed state that helps the body to not only to relax, but to heal. And this is the state we want to access consciously with our yoga nidra practice, because in the nidra practice, we are not supposed to sleep, right? Which is hard to do because we're lying in Shavasana on our back, so it's easy to fall asleep. But we practice nidra as a practice, not falling asleep, but being in the state where we are still awake. And practicing this technique regularly then helps us to get a better sleep in general. You're so right that you can easily fall asleep because usually that's what happens to a lot of people who are sleep deprived and stressed out that the moment they come into a yoga nidra within a few moments you hear somebody snoring and that's <laughs> actually keeping someone else awake but I usually tell them that that's okay if that happens because you're obviously so sleep deprived that this is a time where you're getting that deep quality of sleep which you don't get. And I'm sure you're aware also that some research done into yoga nidra found that there's benefits even when someone has fallen asleep and there's that subconscious feedback that's going on. It's like a neuronal feedback that's happening even though that person is asleep there's of course certain parts of the brain which are very much active and so they can still derive benefits of a yoga nidra even if they've dropped off and invariably they just need that dropping off so yeah, I, I fall asleep i fall asleep time. A lot of <laughs> i'm not lying you know it's, um, it's a practice it's a theory but i fall asleep a lot of times so i'm honest with it but uh, so let's talk a little bit before we move on on how uh, yoga nidra actually Im can impact someone physiologically because I usually tell people to look out for a drop in temperature, feeling of chillness, which can be indicative of lowering of blood pressure, 
calming down the whole system. There's a tingling sensation which you can look at as prana flow, energy, or it could just be that the system is so, so calm that you're aware of subtle things that are going on like blood circulation. The breath deeply slows down. So the inhale gently flows into the exhale, exhale gently flows into the inhale. There's no jerk or pause between the two. So how do you feel physiologically after a yoga nidra? Well, I, I sometimes notice that when I practice it, and that's also what mm, students say, that sometimes your body feels very light, right? That you, yeah. that you feel you're much lighter. Sometimes there is a heaviness, but it's a good heaviness in the sense of feeling very grounded. So it can be a, a, a lot of different sensations that you feel. My fingertips sometimes, you know, they, they tickle or you, you have the feeling that I'm falling asleep. Um, but, uh, and, and sometimes students say that the head is getting quite heavy um, when they are lying there and they are totally relaxing. And I think that just shows how relaxing it really is if you feel these different body um, sensations. And um, usually, you know, when I go out of the practice, if I'm in a yoga studio and I have to drive home, um, I have the feeling of, okay, now everything is fine. <laughs> you know, it's this feeling of, oh, okay, now everything is aligned. You know, that's... Yeah, the, world, the whole world just seems to be a better space after you. Yes. <laughs> and I loved your uh, insight about how uh, you feel more grounded because that's really important today. And I always relate feeling grounded to a more balanced adrenal function where the stress response is regulated and you're not in a state of fight or flight. So I think that's a beautiful uh, thing for somebody to look forward to in a yoga nidra, just tuning into feeling more grounded, connecting to the earth. Tell me now, what are your top three asanas <laughs> for falling asleep? You've already uh, mentioned forward, fold, and so uh, name three asanas which you feel if somebody is struggling with very poor sleep, that they should be bringing into their practice and also how should they be bringing in? Well, obviously, since you practice your yin yoga, you would advise that they stay there rather than going too far forward. So talk about that. Um, so one position I like is uh, lying in Supta Bada Konasana and then adding a breathing technique to it where you can either place your hands on your stomach or next to your body and then you breathe deeply into the stomach, then into your ribcage, then into the breasts and then you breathe out the same way, breast, ribcage, stomach and you repeat that a couple of times trying to uh, get um, air into all body parts equally and slowly breathing in into these three steps and out. And when Supta Konasana is too hard for you at a certain point because it's an intense hip opener, then you can always bring you know, the knees together or stretch out the legs, but keep the breathing technique and then maybe go back into. So that is something that I like. You can also put blocks uh, between yeah. the shoulder blades and under the head so you open up 
your heart center. Um, and that is something that, that I really like to, when the shoulders have the space to sink to the floor, when the heart center opens. Um, and I get the feedback from students that, that they like that too a lot. Um, and when it comes to breathing techniques, I like the, you know, Nadi Shodana, where you breathe in through one nostril, breathe out the other, breathe in through that nostril again and the other. I think it has a very calming effect, at least for me. That's my, my favorite pranayama exercise before going to sleep. And the one that I mentioned already, the legs up the wall, Viparita Karani, you can also use in yin a pillow that you place um, under the end of your spinal column and then bring the legs up. Um, so I would say that these are my top three to get into that uh, slow down state for, for going asleep. So for someone who doesn't know Supta Badukonasana is a supine butterfly. I mean, I hate yes. to use the word butterfly, but yes. <laughs> people just relate to that. So it's lying down with your legs folded in butterfly and just staying there, allowing gravity to do the job, not forcing anything other than just to focus on mindful breath work and letting that slow down. And Nadi Shodhana also called Anuloma Viloma and yes. these alternate nostril breath. It's such a powerful form of breath work. So much to pack into just five minutes of that. I think everybody should be doing that every <laughs> single night. But usually you do find typically that the people who struggle with sleep are the ones who struggle to sit and do practices which are slow. And so that's also what I want people to take away from our conversation today is that tuning into your restlessness in these kind of gentle forms of yoga because those are big, big clues that that's the form you actually need to do to recover from poor sleep. So I think that's a great takeaway for people. Yes, and, and I mean, it's like with every kind of practice, if five minutes or 10 minutes is too much for you, then just start with two or three minutes. You're not starting to run a marathon right away without having, you know, prepared your body. So if this is really difficult for you to sit down in stillness because all of your thoughts are running around like crazy and you can't do it for 15 20 minutes do it for three minutes and that do that for a week or two and then you will see oh it's getting better and then you take the next exercise or you make the exercise longer you don't have to do it all right away that's not necessary i think oh absolutely that's a great tip as well i think yeah i just begin with one or two but it's still something that's very very powerful I think, you know we're living in a world where there are too much lights everywhere every time a lot of sound we're watching a lot of tv a lot of pictures coming to our mind we are used to being available at our cell phone all of the time and resting time mixes with work so we have a very active life lifestyle and it can help to switch off your phone half an hour or an hour before you go to sleep or switch off the television half an hour or 
or hour before you go to sleep. Um, so we used to, to rush from one thing to the other and we have unlearned, so to speak, to take breaks and sleep is the ultimate break. So we kind of have unlearned it, which is weird because it's a natural thing. But the society that we're living in is changing from that natural um, thing that you get up in the morning when the sun rises, you go back to sleep when the sun goes down. Um, and we're not used to do that anymore. We stay up much longer because there is still light. And then we get up early the next morning where it's still dark. So we lose that natural cycle, that natural rhythm. Um, and I think that's why a lot of people struggle with sleep. For sure. And I think that so many people who have been on the podcast have all said that stimulation is one of the biggest root causes of poor sleep. So I love this conversation between two yoginis across the globe. Yeah. And, uh, I think the universe brought us together because either we have this a similar form of yoga. There's something more for us in store, but so many beautiful takeaways for our listeners today. So I want to thank you for being on the podcast, sharing, you. sharing <laughs> yoga from your heart, which I can deeply sense when you speak about yoga. So there's somebody who's immersed in yoga for what they feel is connected to their soul, which is how I feel. So I really got that sense from you and I think our listeners would have had a lot of uh, fun listening to these two yoginis. So thank you for joining us today and uh, have a great day everyone. Thank you so much. It was lovely to be here and talk to you and um, it was a fantastic conversation and exchange. Thank you so much for having me. This podcast is intended to provide helpful and informative material on the subject matter covered in the episodes. The podcast is not acting in the capacity of a doctor or a registered dietitian and is not rendering any professional healthcare or medical service. The information in the podcast is not intended as a substitute for medical advice or services or as treatment or cure for any particular health condition. The advice and tools contained herein may not be suitable for your situation. Any medical questions regarding contraindications and cautions or any questions of whether or not to proceed with any practices provided in the show should be referred to qualified health professionals before adopting the same. The podcast specifically disclaims any responsibility for any liability, loss, risk, personal or otherwise which may be incurred as a direct or indirect consequence of the use of information from this podcast or the application adoption of any of the information provided.